Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. You're in for a treat tonight. We have Pastor Peter Ford, uh, son of the house, who's been in this church for about 27 years, 23 years, 30 years, I was close, 30 years in this house. Why don't we get up for Pastor Peter as he comes to preach? Awesome. Awesome. You good? You can take a seat. You can take a seat. You're always good, Joey. You are always good. Everyone needs to be, has enough. I I love it how Joey gets straight out of his seat, first note starts, and he's straight out the front. And I'm kind of waiting for the rest of you to do it too. So next Sunday night, next time you're in church, yeah, follow Joe. Glenda does. She's out there too. And I encourage you to do it. Something happens when you just kind of do something you haven't done before, get out of your comfort zone, and God kind of notices that and sometimes he just does something unexpected in your life when you take an extra step and uh, get close to him. We're going to um, talk about tonight about uh, what is on the inside counts. What's on the inside counts. We're going to talk a bit about the heart. And I've got some uh, slides here, some facts about your heart, okay? This is you. Your heart is about the size of your two hands clasped together. So you do this, you do this. We've been learning about this in kids' church, a bit about our heart, so I thought I'd flow on this theme. So that is about the size of your heart. Okay, Tim's heart's about this big, um, but everyone else is a bit smaller. Next one, at rest, so like you are now, at rest, unless you're like Joey jumping up down the front, but if you're at rest, your heart beats about 60 to 100 times a minute. A child's heart rate is higher than an adult's heart rate. My son Riley, his heart rate is definitely faster than mine. When I feel his heart beating, it's always going faster than mine. I think my heart rate rested about 64, and uh, I don't know what your resting heart rate is, but between 60 and 100. In an average lifetime, a heart will beat around 3 billion times. 3 billion, that's a bit. And each minute of your heart, uh, it pumps 5.7 litres of blood around your body every minute. That's what actually keeps you alive. If your heart wasn't doing that, you would drop dead. And, uh, and when people have heart attacks or a blocked valve or something like that, you know, you have serious health problems. Your heart can stop, pressure comes on it, and uh, it's not too good. Your heart beats over 100,000 times a day. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever stop and think about that? Do you ever stop and go, oh, heart, are you working? Do you have to have ever, ever check it? No, you don't. Well, you Glenda might. But generally, your heart just does it. Whether you like, you don't have to press it, get in the morning and hit your heart button and make it start going because it's been going all night long. What does the next slide say? Every heartbeat results in blood moving forward through your arteries. You can feel this movement as a pulse by placing your two fingers over your artery on your wrist. Everyone do that if you can find your pulse. Anyone can't find it? Anyone can't find it? We may need to call triple O if you can't find it. Um, Your pulse rate tells you how fast your heart is beating. So that's just your heart pumping blood through your body and you feel it in your wrist and, uh, and in your neck. Every day your heart creates enough energy to drive a truck 32 Ks. It's good to know. Not a car, a truck. 30, that's a fair way. That's from Harvey Bay to Maryborough. Um, so your heart creates a lot of energy. Your heart can keep beating 
even if it is separated from your body because it has its own electrical pulse. That is amazing. You can take someone's heart and disconnect it from their body and it will keep beating. Have you ever seen anyone do a, you've seen a, a show on TV where they have a live heart transplant and they put a heart in and they've connected it all up and it's been sitting there usually in a bucket of uh, ice and water and whatever, or cold, and what they do is they just tap it and it starts to beat because it's got its own electrical pulse it generates. Your heartbeat can change um, to mimic the music you listen to has anyone done that? So if, you, if you're listening to a song, like in the worship and the praise tonight, and there's a constant beat, if you're listening to that for a few minutes, guess what? Your heartbeat will get in the same flow and rhythm as the kick drum or whatever it may be. And whatever what you're listening to, your heart will actually get in sync with it. Couples who are in love can synchronize their heart rates after gazing into each other's eyes for three minutes. Tim and Lydia do this all the time. And um, they sit at home and they just don't say anything and just sit and look at each other. And Lydia's just smiling and Tim's like, oh, I love you so much. And so, and their hearts are just impure, like sink. You know, and then Lydia probably reached across and slaps Tim to wake him up or whatever. But, but it's true. <laughs> Not with morning sickness. And um, so... That's amazing. That they're not they're not touching each other. It's not like they're trying to sync their pulses or they're trying to hook in on a USB cable or something like that. They're just looking at each other and the heartbeats get in sync. The people that care about each other, you know, it'd be the same with your kids and stuff like that. And so that's amazing. Is there one more? Is that it? so this is amazing facts about your heart. And that's amazing about that's the heart, the actual muscle and that. But also that flows into part of, you know, our, you know, just looking at each other. is isn't to do with so much like your heart, but that connects then beyond that. It's like your heart's connected to your feelings and your emotions. So when emotions get involved, it actually changes the beat of your heart. Physically changes you. So emotions affect you physically. Okay, and things about your heart. So when, when people say, oh, I'm in love with someone, I love them with all my heart, that's not, not talking about, you know, the, the muscular part that's working, but it, it's like it's talking about their feelings, the connected part, the feelings, the emotions, and things like that. And so I want to talk about that tonight, and I want to start off by telling you a story. And it's a story as some of you will know, some of you may not know, but it's about David and, and his brothers and, and, and Saul and a few other people. And in 1 Samuel 16, 1 to 13, I'm going to read from the message version. It says, God addressed Samuel, says, How long are you going to mope over Saul? You know I've rejected him as king over Israel. Now, why was Samuel, who was a prophet, Samuel was a prophet of God, a prophet in those days would uh, hear from God, God's representative, anointed by God, God would speak to them and he would go speak to a person or a group of people or a nation, whatever it may be. And so God speaks to him and says, Samuel, how long are you going to mope over Saul? In other words, are you going to be upset over Saul? So what has happened to Saul? Saul is the current king of Israel. He's the first king of Israel. Being king started off all right. And uh, God chose him to be king, and, and the people wanted a king, and God said, okay, well, it's going to be Saul. Then after a while, Saul went good for a while, but after a while, Saul's heart started to drift away from God. 
And so just recently, before we get into this story about to tell, just recently, this is why Samuel's upset, is that God had spoken to Saul, and he'd still, you know, he's still hearing from God and all that. And, and he's, God spoke to Saul and said, I want you to go and, you know, attack these, uh, this army. And, uh, you know, there was, there's an enemy of theirs that was raiding them and things like that. He said, I want you to attack the army. I want you to defeat the army. I'm going to give you a victory. But I want you to keep any plunder. Don't keep any stuff. Or they just, just destroy it all. Right? You know, no cattle and sheep and all that and gold and all that. He says, just get rid of it all. Don't take any for yourself. And you need to just so the, otherwise, if you don't, you're going to have trouble in the future. So Saul goes, attacks the army, defeats the army. And, and he, he doesn't kill the king. He keeps the king as a prisoner of the opposing army, who was a pretty bad dude. And then he also then says, oh, I want to keep some of these animals. So he keeps all the animals as well, and not all of it, but a fair bit, and some gold and treasure and stuff like that. And then after he'd won the victory, he thought, gee, I'm so good, that he went off to a, a, one of the towns, and he built a monument to himself. And said, well, look, we won a great victory and this is my monument about marking my great victory and all that. He didn't win it. God did. But he was taking a bit of credit for himself. And then he said, and then he got all the plunder, all the sheep and that, and he sacrificed them to God. Now, that was great to giving an offering to God. But the thing is, the offering didn't cost him anything. He took it from the opposition. Offerings matter to God when it costs you something. I can go and flog Tim's wallet and take some money out of his wallet and give it to God. And, go, and, and, and God go, well, that's great, but that really, that wasn't for you. You took it from Tim. And so it's kind of like Saul took all this stuff and went, oh, God, look, here's a great offering. And God's like, that's pointless, Saul. And so that's what he does. And so then, um, and then Saul, then basically um, God talks to Samuel and says, this is all happening. He said, I'm not happy with Saul. And then Samuel goes and tracks down Saul. And I just want to read, leading in this next story we're going to talk about, what Samuel comes and says to Saul. Because I think this is so important, these words. I haven't actually looked up and read the. I probably read them before, but they jumped out at me when I read this. He found him and, and said this to Saul. Do you think all God wants, this is in 1 Samuel 15, 22. Do you think all God wants are sacrifices? This is after he's done that big sacrifice and built his monument. Do you think he wants empty rituals just for show? He wants you to listen to him. Plain listening is the thing. Not staging a lavish religious production. Not doing what God tells you is far worse than fooling around in the occult. Getting self-important, that's building his own monument around God, is far worse than making deals with your dead ancestors. Pretty full on. Because, because you said no to God's command, he says no to your kingship. What? And I just read that and I thought, you know, that, that's not just for him, but that's like we need to look at that, what he's saying for us. Because sometimes it can be easy in life to like get into like a religious come to church every week and just turn up and show up and maybe do all the right things and like that's kind of like a really can be like a religious production in our lives I'm just doing the same thing and are we thinking about what we're doing and and so you know and I'm talking about the whole I'm not talking about just us here or whatever I'm just talking about in general we have to be careful that we're listening to what God says he didn't listen he was doing all the stuff he'd been doing but it wasn't what God had said and God was saying that 
you know, he takes our obedience very seriously. When he says to do this, when to do that, to act like this to people, when to say that and to live like this in the Bible, God takes that very seriously. And, and the problem was Saul didn't take God seriously. And he got himself into a whole lot of trouble. And his heart, as soon as, as, soon as you stop, as soon as you disobey God and not obeying him, the first thing that happens is your heart starts to get hard and it starts to drift away from God. And as we're going to talk about, you see why that in our life is the worst thing could ever happen in your life. That is the thing. That is the trigger where you need to stop and go, what am I doing? Also, God wants our worship to be real. Saul had, you know, made this offering or whatever. This wasn't even his stuff. He'd flogged it. He'd defeated an army. And it was like he just this religious thing he was going through. So his worship was just like doing the motions. But God wasn't happy with that because he wants it to be real. He wants our worship to be real. Every time we sing, he doesn't want it to just be like going through the motions. He wants your worship to be authentic and real. Every song you sing, these aren't just songs that we're singing. They're actually, they're words they've written under anointing of God to break through and to transform lives. And, and we can come there and just sing some songs. Okay, yeah, what time's lunch? Yep, what time's dinner? What's on TV tonight or whatever? But God's going, no, 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 don't just do a religious production. I want, to, I want you to know me. I want you to listen to my voice. I want to speak to you. And I believe that God wants to speak to some people tonight about what's on the inside is so important. So then we get to this story and, and God speaks to Samuel and says, look, you know I've rejected Saul. Stop, stop moping. Stop being depressed about that. He says, I've got someone else that we're going to anoint as king. And he says, I want you to get up and let's go. So he says, fill your flask with anointing oil. That's olive oil. And get going. I'm sending you to, Je to uh, Jesse of Bethlehem. Jesse was the... Uh, a father of seven brothers, eight brothers. And I've spotted the very king I want among his sons. I can't, I, I can't do that, said Samuel. Saul will hear about it and kill me. God said, take a heifer with you and announce, I've come to lead you in worship of God with this heifer as a sacrifice. Make sure Jesse gets invited. I'll let you know what to do next. I'll point out the one you are to anoint. Samuel did what God told him. When he arrived in Bethlehem, note that's important, uh, Bethlehem, hometown of David is also the hometown of Jesus, who is a descendant of David. The town fathers greeted him, but uh, apprehensively, because they like, when a prophet shows up, it could be good or bad. It could be like, okay, God spoke and we've done something wrong, someone's going to die. Or it could be like, fire's coming down. Or it could be like, hey, you guys are great, God just wants to bless you. And so they're like, um, you okay, what are you here for? Whatever, um, what do we do? What do we do wrong? And so they're apprehensive. Is there something wrong, they say? Nothing's wrong. I've come to sacrifice this heifer and lead you in worship of God. Prepare yourselves, be consecrated, and join me in worship. He made sure Jesse and his sons were also consecrated and called to worship. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at... So he's, then basically he's lined up all the sons. Okay, there's seven sons lined up, all Jesse's sons lined up there. And when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, here he is. God's anointed. He must be the one. But God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. <laughs> He's already out. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. 
And then Jesse then called up Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. Samuel said, this man isn't God's choice either. Next, Jesse presented Shammah. And, you know, these guys, these are, would have been, some of these guys are already in the army. They were, you know, older sons and all that. And they would have been, like, tall, strong, look like they've got it together, all this kind of stuff. And they're all lined up there. He's going one, one to the other, one to the other. And then Jesse presented his seven sons to Samuel, rejected the last guy. And Samuel was blunt with Jesse. God hasn't chosen any of these. All seven are rejected. Then he asked Jesse, is this it? Is this it? It's like he's looking at Sam. Is this all you got? Is this all you got, Jesse? Is this it? And then, yeah, I know, I'm trying to find the, yeah, I'm looking, finding my spot up here. You're probably reading ahead up there. That's okay. And there's no more sons. Well, yes, there's the runt. That's what his dad thought of David. How do you think David felt? His sons are up there. His, sorry, his brothers are up there, all seven up with his dad. He knows there's something important going on. They're doing a worship service. Church is happening. And David is there by himself down a field. And his dad says, oh, we've got the runt. That's kind of the name you give to a pig that's really small when it's born. And it's like all the others are strong and it's really weak. He said, oh, we've got the weak one down the field. But he's out tending the sheep. Samuel ordered Jesse, orders him because he's a bit ticked off, and go get him. We're not moving from this spot until he's here. And everyone's like frozen, waiting. Let's get, let's get David. Jesse sent for him. He was brought in. The very picture of health, bright-eyed, good-looking. That's important, apparently. God said, up on your feet. He says, get, Samuel, get up on your feet. Anoint him. Anoint him. This is the one. Samuel took his flask of oil and anointed him with his brothers standing around watching. The Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind. Now David, is pro- he's a teenager. He could be 14, 15 years old. Somewhere like that. He's, he's the youngest. Okay, all the, you know, in those days the inheritance went to the oldest and all that kind of stuff. So he's at the end of the line. But God bypassed the rest because he looked past their looks, their muscles, their stature, all that kind of stuff, and he looked into their heart. And, the, and when he was anointed, though he would have poured the oil over him, the Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind, God vitally empowering him for the rest of his life. From that moment on, that never left him. The Spirit of God was upon him. And Samuel left and went home to Ramah. In Acts chapter 13, 22, it says, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So God looks beyond their outside and looks straight into their heart. We're going to talk about that in a minute and keep continuing. So what's on the inside counts but I want to do something else in the meantime I need six volunteers come on up as come on up six volunteers so and you can stand behind choose a can choose a can I need six I've got three don't be scared 
Last, last up's going to get the last can. So, now, we don't know what is in these cans. You can guess what's in the cans, some of them. Some have no idea. So, now, when what's going to happen is one at a time we're going to open a can, okay? You can open it in turns or whatever. Not, just hang on, just hang on. And you're hungry, are you? You want dinner? <laughs> so, it's like, come on, get in the can. And so, um, hang on. And so... Um, and then if you want to, depending on what's in the can, if you want to ha- have some of it to eat, you can. If you want to take the can back to your seat and eat at the rest of the service, I don't really care. That's fine as well. So um, maybe you'll open the can. You won't like what's inside the can. Maybe you'll love it. I don't know. But we will start. Let's start at, let's start at Sylvia's end. Sylvia, do you want to go first? And uh, you can open there. Self-opening. If you have a problem, I haven't got a backup can opener, so just like, you know, oh, there we go. What's Sylvia got? Cream corn. Cream, cream corn. Now, I don't know if you like cream corn or not, but you can, you can if you want to, well, you can take it home. If you want to taste some, you, can, you don't have to, but that's up to you. If you want to leave it there and just get off the stage, you can do that as well, but that's fine. You can taste it. Yes, yeah, right. Taste and see that the corn's good. Corn's good? Excellent. Okay, that's good. Okay, so we're happy with what's on the inside of that. Okay, let's, let's, um, let's go to Aaron. Which one have you got, Aaron? You've got the square. You could have a spam party and just, you know, have a great time eating that. Now, do you like spam? <laughs> you don't have to eat it, but it's up... It's edible though. It's apparently, it's apparently good. It's appa- oh, I can smell it from here. It's apparently really good. Good for you. Oh, now it's got some like extra bits. It's good. Yeah, good. Yeah, you could survive overseas on a missions trip on that for a few weeks. Okay, that's okay. You're happy with that? I can see. Okay, let's go. Um, let's go, Amy. You're next. You can open that one. You never know. Oh, yeah. Bonus. Your Amy's going to be into this. You want some cream and ice cream with that as well or something? Yeah. So. Okay, who would like to go next? What about... You want to go next, right? You're up. You're, he's eager. Let's go. What have you got? What have you got? Baked beans. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. I think they're still Aussie, apparently. They were. Okay, which now who wants to go next? Like you're next, radio. So it's tuna, tuna. It's a fish John West rejects. The the best. So uh, apparently, awesome, awesome. Okay, last one. Here's Kate. What has Kate ended up with? Could be anything. Chicken soup. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't eat that one. It's 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 my dog. So um, okay. So who's happy with what they got? Who likes what they got? Yeah, yeah. But your dog does. But are you? You're not happy with that. Okay. So what is on the inside counts. And uh, I wanted to use that just an example that you know in our lives, you've ever thought that what comes out of you is tasted 
by the people around you. And so when your life is opened up, when they have a conversation with you, whatever is happening around you, people actually, the way you act, how you, what you say, actually like gives off like an aroma and a smell as soon as you open the spam. You've got a bit of a smell. The tuna has a smell or whatever. So we have different flavors and that flavor can be really good or someone might open a can up and it's like dog food. And you might like, oh, yeah. What's, and that could be out of you, could come like, you know, stuff that's not real nice that sort of turns people off or whatever. And there could be a million different things you could have, I could have bought or whatever, and some would be great and some wouldn't be great. So what is on the inside of us counts. I want you to remember that, that what is on the inside of your heart overflows and touches people around you. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> Amy's like, this is awesome. You can take it back to your seat if you want, because I know you want to, because you're just like... And if you want to, oh, I'm taking the spam. The beans. This is not a restaurant, but it's okay. Uh, order 51, order 51 for the tuna. So, yeah, I'm going to bid it. Okay, we're raising money for home for the harvest. Okay, we've got to tell them my dog first. Okay, so what's on the inside Count. So I did that just so that sticks in your mind, that image of uh, all that kind of stuff that was opened up. Why was the condition of David's heart so important to God? Why was that? Here's a couple of scriptures that explain why. In Luke 6.45, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So God is looking at all these brothers, all seven of them, rejected all of them, because he looked beyond their skin, their outside, and he looked straight into their heart. And what God saw, he said, they, those seven are not fit to, the, for, to be the king that I want. Because he knew that what was on the inside of their heart was going to flow into what they say. And if they're going to then lead the nation and lead thousands of people. And David went through a whole lot of stuff and it wasn't easy. But that's why God knew it had to be a particular person. He picked a person that could do it. He needed to have a a heart that was after God. And these guys weren't going to cut it because they would have got, when the pressure came on, they would have said something that probably would have blown it. They would have said something that would have destroyed the kingdom. That would have ultimately changed history. It was that important. And so in Proverbs 4, 20 to 23, it says this. It says, my child, talking to us, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. So God's words penetrate deep into our hearts. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. So God's words, if you allow them to penetrate into your heart, brings healing to your whole body. Guard your heart above all else, he says, for it determines the course of your life. So does not only your heart affect what you say, what is in your heart affects the way you live and what you do and where you go and the choices that you make. 
So what is in your heart is going to affect what you say. And what is in your heart is going to affect where you take your next step, where you end up, the direction you travel. What you do flows from your heart. What kind of story do you want to write by the way you live? What kind of story do you want to write by the way you live? Because all of us in this room every day, tomorrow morning, you're going to continue writing a story. Your life's an ongoing story every day. What do you want that story to look like? Because the way you live and the decisions you make will cause that story to go up and down, left or right, wherever it may be, good or bad, all comes down to what's flowing out of your heart. What's in my heart will flow out of my life, like we talked about the cans there. I heard someone say this once, that if you put garbage in, you get garbage out. Plain and simple, and it's stuck in my mind for many, many years, that you put garbage in, you get garbage out. You put good, you get good things out. But if you put garbage in, you know, and people wonder why if I, you know, take all kinds of substances or overdose on drugs or this stuff or whatever it may be, then, you know, even food and stuff like that, then you end up getting health problems and that because your body wasn't meant for that stuff. Your body wasn't designed to have, all well, that's an imbalance. But when you get that balance right, then suddenly your body starts to get healthy again and fit again. But when it goes the other way, it causes all kinds of problems. And so there's what we feed our bodies physically affects us. But what we feed ourselves in many different ways beyond that, spiritually, what we see and what we listen to and all that affects us as we If you feed yourself with good things, you'll get good things coming out of your life. So what, have you stopped and thought... What am I filling my life with? What am I filling my heart with? Have you ever stopped and done a kind of a check? And sort of sat down and say, oh, well, you know, how, how am I sort of trapped? What have I fed myself this week that's actually going to help me? Or have I fed myself some stuff that is, hasn't helped me? Or why am I feeling, you know, down? Why am I feeling depressed? Why am I feeling like I'm not achieving anything this week? You could be achieving something. Maybe you feel like, well, you know, well, how come I'm feeling? I'm feeling a bit odd this week. And you need to sometimes stop and go, have I been doing something or feeding myself something or allowing something to come in, you know, that is affecting me? And why am I feeling like this? Now, that's all, not always your fault. Sometimes stuff comes from left field, from other people and attacks and the enemy attacks in different ways. But we have a responsibility to guard our heart. God tells you to guard your heart and he gives you ways to guard your heart. He tells you to do it. He doesn't sort of say, well, I'm going to, I'll make all the decisions for you and I'll just sort it all out for you. Just sit back, relax and, and, you know, have a drink and sit on the couch and then I'll sort it out for you and don't you worry about it. You just chill out. No, if you do that, then you'll be still sitting on the couch going, God, where are you? Because God wants you to guard your heart, to take action for our lives and, and make good choices with our lives. Your eyes, I want you to think about this for a moment, your eyes, your ears and your thoughts are gates to your heart. I want to picture your heart, your life, with three gates around it and your eyes are a gate, your ears are a gate and your thoughts are a gate and you've got the control of all three gates. You haven't, the enemy hasn't got the control of it. Devil hasn't got control of those gates. 
Someone else hasn't got control of those gates. God's given you control of those gates. He's given you the choice. He's given us free choice. We have choice. We can choose what goes in those gates and what goes out of those gates. We can choose to open it to something or shut it to something. He's given us control of those gates. What you see, what you hear, and what you dwell on, what you're thinking about. It said, guard your heart above all else. Above all else. Why does God use such words like guard your heart above all else? Because he said, this is so important that it's going to affect everything else. Guarding your heart will affect everything else. So he says, guard your heart above all else. If you're going to do something, the most important thing you'd be doing right now is guarding your heart. Watch what you're allowing to see. Watch what you're, what you're dwelling on and thinking about. Negativity. And it can work the same way as well. You can watch stuff that's good, and that's good. You can listen to stuff that's good, and that's good. And you can dwell on things that are good because the Bible tells us to, and that's good. But it can work both ways. And you have the choice to open the gates to those things. You know, I've um, got friends and seen people through school that, unfortunately, I know three guys uh, in my year 11 and 12 uh, classes that uh, since uh, leaving school have all committed suicide. And, and so, and they, they, in their lives, they didn't have it all together. They were the kind of like, I don't care what I do. Uh, at school, they're the ones that are kind of living on the edge a bit. And, you know, and they, they come from some, you know, bad situations and stuff like that. But they, but they did choose. I watched them. They had times when they didn't have to do what they did, but they just made choices to open up their heart to whatever I want to listen to, to whatever I want to see and do, expose myself to this, expose myself to that, expose myself to whatever. And, and they were getting pretty, pretty mixed up and they were getting pretty full on and they had people there that could reach out to help them, but they said, no, nah, I've got it. I just want to do it my own way, do it my own thing. And I don't care what you say. And sadly, years down the track, they couldn't handle it themselves. And they made a choice to end their life because of the hurt and pain that they would have been carrying for many years. There's others, I'm sure, that would have had that same hurt and pain, but they're still living today because they actually reached out to someone and found out. I know I've got friends at school that, and quite a few actually, that are now Christians that weren't in year 11 and 12 because they did actually reach out to someone. And when life wasn't making sense, when they were in a, in a mess, they actually reached out to someone who was a Christian because they thought there must be an answer more than finding everyone else. And now they're going to church, they're, they're saved, and there's three or four that I can name from my class that have, that have done that because then a couple of them rung me over the years and said, you know, Peter, how you going? And my life's a mess. And I said, I, I, I've tried everything else, but I need God. And so they, they, it's a choice that they made. It's a choice that they made. What you allow your eyes to see. There's so much stuff in our world today that we see that can do so much damage. And so you're, all, you're going to see stuff that's not good, okay? You can just flick on the TV and you're not even trying to, but you'll see some stuff or images or whatever. You can, you can type in fairy on the internet and who knows what comes up on the internet, what kind of images or whatever. But looking for something, stuff like that is in our world. It's saturated with all kinds of rubbish, violence and, and sexual stuff and all that kind of stuff. And, and so you're going to get exposed to it. The key is this. If you get exposed to it, you can shut the gate quickly. 
and then you stop it. And then the problem is, is that you can go, you see it for a second, but then you can actually say, I'm not going to dwell on that. I have the mind of Christ. I take captive every thought and I make it obedient to Jesus Christ. And so you quote the word of God and say, I'm not going to dwell on that stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to, then you start to fill your life with some, your mind with some other thoughts, other things or whatever. And so there's ways that you're going to get exposed to stuff. People will say things to you. And then you've got to, you know, to hear. And then you've got to make a decision, well, you know, is that really true about me? That's the first thing you ask yourself. They say something about you're this, you're that. And you sort of think, well, no, I don't think I am. And so, you know, a lot of times people are saying it out of their own pain, their own hurt. I, there was a girl at Kids Club on Friday night. She was new. i uh, been there a few times. And, uh, and we had a bit of a discussion, told a story or whatever, a, a Bible story about some stuff. And, and uh, she comes up to me. All the girls had walked off. And she sort of, she's only, I don't know, maybe six, seven years old. And, uh, and walks up and goes, oh, I just want to let you know that, you know, I was bullied today at school. And I get bullied all the time at school. And, uh, and so I listened to everything I said. And so I said, have you got, you know, have a conversation about, you know, and, and people saying stuff about me and, and all that. And I said, well, you know, what would you do? I told the teacher and all that. And they were doing something about it. I said, have you got some good friends to hang around with? And she's like, yeah, I've got some good friends. I said, well, you need to hang around with them. Don't worry about what other people say because it's not true. It's not whatever they're going to say. It's not true about you. And so, and so it's so easy. And like she was letting those thoughts trying to attack her. But just actually coming to someone and telling them and having a conversation, someone else just gives encouragement. She goes, okay, righty, thanks. And then just walks off, you know. And it's like, it's like I just, just felt better just to say it, just to go and approach someone, to have someone reassure her that, hey, she is worth something. That she's not, you know, she shouldn't be bullied. That that isn't right. And so, you know, and you have people around you and you get into workplaces and things like that and people can gossip or say things or, you know, we've probably been through school and you've had people maybe, you know, gossip about you and you can, you know, if it happens when you're older, sometimes you reflect back to that day, but you've just got to stop and go, no, that's not true. That's not who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm made in the image of, I'm an image of God. And, that, and so you've got to speak straight away. When The enemy will try and attack you, but then you need to have an opposite spirit reaction to when people attack you. When, when people say things about you or, or do something to you, don't react the same way back to them. React with an opposite spirit. So when they act in anger or, or abuse, when they're yelling things or saying something, then act with love. Don't act the same way because it diffuses it. It diffuses them straight away and they realize, oh, that didn't sort of work the way I wanted it to work. It didn't affect you how I wanted to affect you. Because often, 90% of the time, it's not you, it's them dealing with their own pain. And they're just, you're just copying their pain because they don't know how to handle the pain. They need Jesus. They need someone who can forgive them and cleanse them and set them free. And so we've got to guard our heart. Your eyes, your ears, and your thoughts. Don't dwell on your thoughts. Don't dwell. The Bible says that, you know, to dwell and to meditate on the Word of God and, and to think on the Word of God and those things which are good for you. And, and, he, and God encourages us to think on the things that are positive and not negative. Matthew 9.4, 4, 
just to wrap it up in a second, Jesus knew what they were thinking when, so he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? There's a story in the Bible where Jesus had healed someone, and then he says to this guy who was injured and paralyzed, and he said, I forgive you of your sin. And when he forgave him, the men, the religious leaders around him got really mad, and they said, you know, you, you shouldn't forgive sins and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and they got really mad with him. You can't do that. Only God can do that and all this kind of stuff. And Jesus, it says, knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? It's interesting, he didn't say, why do you have such evil thoughts in your mind? He said, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? In other words, he linked your thoughts directly to your heart. And then he says this a bit further on, John 2.25 says, no one uh, needed to tell him, that's Jesus, about human nature, about what, how we live, what we do, what we're going to how we're going to live our life, for he knew what was in each person's heart, the Bible says. In other words, Jesus links our actions with our heart as well. Do you ever think about how you're affected by the things you are watching? Do you ever stop, seriously stop, and think about what am I watching? What movies am I watching? What stuff am I watching? What am I exposing my life to? You might think, oh, you know, it's not really affecting me. I guarantee you if it's not good stuff, it is affecting you. But often you don't realize it. Saul didn't realize his heart was drifting away from God until it was too late. Samson didn't realize his heart was drifting away from God. The Bible says he, his heart grew cold and he didn't even know it. Because he was so caught up in his stuff. And God, You know what breaks God's heart is someone's heart drifting away from him. And it doesn't happen in a moment. There's a psalm that says it's a slow fade to give your life away. It's a slow. It's just like, oh, a little bit. Oh, that won't matter. It won't matter. And before you know it, you're way over here. You used to be over here. And you're over here and it's a bit darker. It is a bit darker over here, actually. And so, and you're a bit darker. And, um, and it's just like, and it's like, oh, how did I get here? Because it's a slow fade. It's, a, it's just a little bit at a time. It's just... Allowing that stuff to watch. Instead of watch, saying, oh, I don't think I should watch that. It's not good for me. Oh, we'll just watch a little bit and just watch a little bit more. Could be just a little bit here and then. Oh, I'll just listen to that stuff. I'll listen to maybe it's some music that is really negative. There's plenty of that out there. It's some great positive music. It doesn't have to be all Christian music or whatever. There's some great music that's positive that isn't Christian music. And it's okay to listen to that too. But be very careful what you listen to. I can't listen to a song if it's got, you know, just stuff in it. I remember all the words of the songs I listen to, so I don't listen to anything that's got junk in it because it affects me instantly. And I'll just walk off the next day and this song come in my head and it's that song that's just, and you, know, and you remember the chorus line and going, oh, why, why is that in my head? You know, the songs are just written, designed to actually do that. They write them in a way that affects you so they get linked in your head and they're repetitive and they're like, mm -mm -mm. so think on what is good. Because it will affect you. It will affect you. Oh, it doesn't, I can listen to whatever. It doesn't affect me. Rubbish. That is the biggest. Don't tell me that. I'll slap you. It's rubbish. It will affect you. It'll affect you. What you're saying, the way you're acting, what you're doing. You're going to treat people differently because over time it's going to affect you. 
going to affect in others around you. And it's going to affect your heart towards God. When God tries to then get into your heart and tries to say, will you come and do this? You won't be able to hear it properly. It'll be muffled because your heart's hardened. Your heart's getting some junk in it. But God says, we need to clear that out. Do you ever think about how you're affected by the thoughts you dwell on? What kind of things are you dwelling on? The worship team want to come on up. All these things affect your heart, your, what you're hearing, what you're listening to, what you're seeing, what you're dwelling on. They affect your heart, which then will affect what you say, which then will affect the way you live. Your heart is so important. And that's why God, if you look up the word heart in the Bible, there is hundreds of scriptures that talk about the heart. Because God is like, this is so important, so important that you need to make sure that your heart is in the right place. You need your heart needs to be right before God. Your heart needs to be pure. Your heart needs to be free of the junk. God wants us to have hearts like David that was a heart, had a heart after God. And, and today, you know, God, is it's, we can all live in that because Jesus paid the price for our sin. He paid the price for our junk. He paid the price, you know, for all that stuff. And so we can come to God and God can cleanse us and wash us so we live with a pure heart and we can hear clearly from God. And He's given us the choices to whether we open those gates of those our, our mind, our ears, and our um, eyes and what we see. 1 John 5.21 says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Keep away from anything that may take God's place in your hearts. In other words, if it's something that could be a temptation and become more important than God should be in my life, then he says, don't even go there. Matthew 6.21 says, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So in other words, it's okay to treasure things, but treasure what is good. Treasure what is good. Don't treasure what is evil. Don't treasure what is bad. Don't treasure things that will affect your life badly or wrongly or you know that are going to be a snare to you and draw you away from God. Treasure what is good because your desire will go there straight away. Your heart will go there straight away to those things. Treasure God with your heart. This last scripture, which is such a powerful scripture, Romans 10.10, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. It's by believing with your heart that you are saved. It's by believing in God with your heart. Why don't you stand to your feet tonight? Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.